0: I'm Haley Oakes, and this is Milk Trails. A journey in the out of hospital birth experience. In this special episode, we have Jean Marie Paynell, a mother of two, as well as a parenting guide and mentor. Jean Marie has a master's in Montessori education and over 15 years of experience guiding and mentoring parents and children. She is the founder of Voila Montessori, a parenting school and mentoring community based in San Diego, California. Jean Marie and I talk about her passions of the Montessori philosophy, as well as ways to improve your relationship with your child through what's known as conscious parenting and positive discipline. Also, what was most intriguing to me, as a home consultant, Jean Marie guides families on how best to prepare their home from birth onward to promote a peaceful environment for both parent and child. She is a beautiful inspiration and reminder of the true importance of our role as caregivers, not as servants of children, but supporters of their natural curiosity, wonder, and development. Welcome, Jean-Marie. You are the first field expert guest on the show, actually. Um, You're a parenting mentor and Montessori home consultant. In fact, you have a master's in Montessori education and have opened, voila, Montessori, uh, a Montessori-based parenting program, which is amazing. And you are also a mother of two children. Um, So firstly, did you apply the the Montessori teachings when you were parenting your own children?
1: So to be perfectly honest, not really. My Uh daughter uh, around what was it, two and a half, said, Mommy, I want to go to school. Uh So I looked into what was in the neighborhood, and there was a Montessori preschool, and I put her there. And so she was there for about two years before going to traditional public school. Mm. And then my son um, did not uh, go to Montessori school because when he... When I started uh, learning more about Montessori and doing my master's, he was already four years old okay. and was already in a traditional system. Mm-hmm. And the Montessori school that I had my eye on was not what I wanted from a Montessori school. So uh, long answer to say no. <laughs>
0: <Not> and, <really. laughs> and what prompted you to want to wanna go back to school and get, your masters in in this in this type of education.
1: You know, it's uh one of those kind of chapters in your life where you ask yourself, you know, is what I'm doing really what I want to be doing? Mm. And I was actually a graphic designer for about 20 years prior to that. Wow. Um, you know, did really well for myself and such and we were contemplating moving back to Europe. I'm, I'm originally from France, mm. and we've been in the States for 20 years now. And at the time, we were contemplating moving back. And at the time, I thought, well, I don't really want to continue doing what I'm doing. Like mm. There was no more excitement or challenge about it. And what could I do if we moved somewhere else? Mm. And that's when I really you know, had a conversation with myself of... My passion has always been children, mm. and I want to be working with, with you know, younger people, mm. and uh, and that's really when I investigated and found out that there was actually a world-renowned Montessori Training Center right here in San Diego that um, gave you an international uh, diploma where I could work anywhere in the world, and so that's kind of what I did. Uh, you know, a few
0: years back. That's amazing and so, yeah. um, so incredible to f- to have a a rebirth of identity exactly. and and also of of a completely new passion and interest.
1: Completely new, yes. And and it, you know it's interesting because at that time my mother had just passed, mm. and so you know whether that influenced the whole thing or not, but I know I remember her telling me so many times that I was meant to work with children. Like mm. she could see that I had, you know, uh, a natural, <laughs> a, a, a natural connection with them. Mm-hmm. And it's true. You know, when I think back to, to even my childhood, I was, I have a brother who's 12 years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. And my, my desire during, you know, school holidays was to go work at his daycare. That's what I wanted to do. That, so that was my happy place. So it made sense for me to finally kind of listen to, you know, what my true passion
0: was. Yeah. So, um, tell me about, tell me, you said you, you know, you were, you're from France and, and, um, And tell me about your upbringing. You were born in in Tunisia, right?
1: I was in Tunisia, a small country in uh, North Africa, sandwiched between Libya and Algeria. And um, kind of by coincidence, really, because my father is French and he was a doctor in the uh, French-Algerian War. My is... mother was American, living there with him, and refused to give birth in a country at war hmm. and wanted to give birth in an in independent country, which Tunisia had just become.
0: Wow.
1: So, she flew to Tunisia uh, pregnant with my older sister, and I was born in Tunisia.
0: Wow. And so, how which, long which... were you there?
1: I think I was there just a few months to be honest okay. I know that I did not get to meet my father until I was about nine months mm. because at that time uh the war had gotten pretty bad and um so she did not want to return to Algeria with a newborn wow. um and um so so yeah I did not you know meet him till later mm. and we met in France mm. and then I never really went back to live in Tunisia but we went back to live in Algeria after okay. the independence okay. and I was there until four and then moved to France when my parents separated and later moved back to the U.S. with my mother when I was about 11 because she was originally from the States. She had gone abroad for a junior year abroad, mm. and ended up coming back uh, seventeen years later, mm-hmm. divorced with two daughters. So, <laughs> wow, that's
0: what, a whole other story. That's right? a whole other story. <laughs> I mean, and and she sounds like a fascinating woman as well. I mean, I mean, so yeah, adventurous and and also worldly and interested in world affairs. And and did that ever conflict with with her being a mother to you and like you know, in addition to wanting to help so many other people?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, she did, you know, she did let me know when she, before passing, that, you know, her biggest regret was not having had enough time Mm. with us, with us as children. Mm. So I I know that that, um, sorry, I'm getting emotional. But it's it's been, it's been 18 years, but still. and, And to me, I think that that is also, what made me reevaluate, you know, my career and everything, um, Mm. at the afterwards, because I didn't want to let my children's, you know, childhood pass by me Mm. and I wanted to be with them. So also, you know, looking into being a teacher so that I could have more time with them and everything. Um, and then having later having my own business so I could work from home, Mm. um, has been, you know, has been amazing because I have been able to, I'll be with them more.
0: Absolutely, it's beautiful. But, I
1: tell, but she, she, you know, she, she did everything. I mean, she was a single mom of three. But uh, we traveled the world with her. We were exposed to so many amazing dinner conversations.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah, I bet. You know,
1: so, so, I think it was all good.
0: Wow! And yeah. now, having lived, you know, in multiple countries, and. In your experience, what do you find is the, the biggest difference between, you know, I mean, and I'm going to ask you this later as far as, you know, your parenting mentorship and, and, and your travel, but, but just from what you remember, like, growing up in France, what's the difference of parenting and, and the culture there of being raised as a child versus what you see here in the States? Anything that kind of stands uh. out?
1: One thing that that popped up when you said that is this notion of knowing what your boundaries are. Mm. Where where I think the the French have a way of really uh, letting the child know exactly what the kind of what the safe place is. Mm-hmm. And within that, within those boundaries, they're free to you know to to do anything. But there's a lot more. Um, I think, education of etiquette,
0: mm-hmm. of,
1: of graciousness, of, uh, you know, we are trained from an early age to smell good wine, <laughs> to go to, you know, very fancy restaurants, and we learn to, uh, you know, sit properly and eat with all of the different uh, uh, utensils and, and so forth. So I think there's just um, different maybe, um, not priorities, because I don't think that that's priorities, but just like, you know, etiquette, uh, teaching really of, you know, I remember so many, you know, like I said, dinner parties or parties that my mother would have. And we were always welcome to come and sit and ask questions and so forth. Like if the children were welcome here, I always feel that children are told to go somewhere else, go play, go, you know, go, go in front of the TV, go outside, whatever. It's not like they're not Integrated into that, yeah. and for me, that's. I think I learned so much from these, you know, wise people that were at my dinner table. So. Mm.
0: And also, I mean, what's what's so great about that? About welcoming the children to those conversations is that you are treating them with the same level of respect and 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 not necessarily maybe like intelligence for them to understand all the big life issues that maybe were spoken about, but but to kind of at least sort of give them the opportunity to hear about those sorts exactly. of things and um, instead of exactly. sort of like dumbing it down and, and, you know, shielding them from, I don't exactly. know. So yeah. that's no, interesting. Very true. Very true. So your three passions, um, as we mentioned before, the Montessori, the other ones are positive discipline and conscious parenting. So I just want to talk a little bit about those uh, things. So what is, what is Montessori for those who don't know? And and pardon my ignorance, but does this often get confused with the Waldorf um, style of education? Um, okay, so two, 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 two
1: questions. Let me just... Um Montessori, just for uh, for those who've never heard of it or, or such, Montessori actually comes from uh, a woman's name, Maria Montessori, Dr. Maria Montessori, who was the first woman allowed to go to medical school more than 150 years ago in Italy. Mm. And uh, she developed, you know, through her medical background and kind of scientific uh, look on the world really took time to observe children. Mm. And up until uh her findings children were really kind of considered these empty vessels that we had to you know fill up with knowledge that they hmm. they weren't really worth our time kind of thing uh from birth and hmm. I know you know from your work and 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 all of that that newborns are you know highly sensitive and highly intelligent Mm -hmm. from from even in prenatal life and so she really kind of opened that whole concept of you know we need to really pay attention to the newborn and and to the child and and so for me, my my background is really from birth to six years, which are the really you know fundamental years
0: mm.
1: where we talk about the uh, absorbent mind, which is you know the, the what we call that brain that the young child has, which is a sponge acquiring language, acquiring movement. I mean, it's it's just extraordinary. Yeah. And so she really fought uh, a lot, also for just children's uh, rights and Mm -hmm. and such, and really developed a whole method of education, really. But, you know, very humbly said, I did not develop, you know, a method. I just gave children the opportunity to live. Mm -hmm. So it's really beautiful in the sense that it really is an approach of following the child, mm. following their desires, their interests, and really respecting their natural development.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is obviously so, going to be so individual based on exactly, each child. Exactly.
1: So in a classroom, for example, I worked in a what we call a primary classroom or, or CASA classroom, which you welcome children from the ages of around two and a half to six. Mm. So first of all, it's mixed ages. Mm. And so they are together, I have them for three years, which is a three-year developmental window. So it's not about, you know, arbitrary birthdays, but really about this uh, milestone that they're going through during those three years. Mm. And, and they help each other and such. And I don't have a lesson plan for all 25 children I have 25 different lesson plans because right. I have 25 very different individuals. Wow. And that's the beauty of it, really.
0: So each child gets a different lesson plan?
1: Yes. Wow. Because basically the way that uh, Montessori works, it, it really is based, first of all, on observation. Yeah. And secondly, one of the big tenets is this idea of the prepared environment, mm. of the environment that we really pre- prepare for that uh, child, for that human going through, you know, those those three years, so everything is there for them. Mm. Like for, honestly, for the for the adult, there is a stool, and that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's really it's really an environment that is created for them. Uh, everything is down low. Everything is at their eye level, and such. And that's what I bring. You know, um, and I'll talk about it later when when I do the home consultations because. Yeah we also need to welcome our children into our very adult-centric environment. Yes. But so when we prepare the environment and we put out for them things that we know are going to interest them and we trust, and this is the beauty of it too, is that we trust that we are all born with this amazing desire to, to learn and to mm-hmm. adapt to to our time, place, and culture. So when we put out... The, the tools and the activities that are going to help them master certain skills, they are more than happy to to, to get to work and mm. to master those skills. So you have a room of twenty five individuals who are so focused and concentrated on what they know in their heart that they need to master. Mm. So nobody is, nobody is, you know, pushing them to, to do something. It's just we are, one story calls it, calls it seducing the child into the different <laughs> activities. Basically, the adult is the link between the child and the environment. Mm. So we are just connecting them to the work that is on the shelves and then there is just this beautiful
0: synergy and and focused work that that goes on wow so it sounds i mean it sounds yeah very much you know child-led but also but but supporting them to kind of to be their best selves and to find their their innate talents and interests and how what's what's the highest level of education that montessori um high school high school wow so first
1: so it's really birth through 18 years of age.
0: That's amazing. And, and, I, and
1: I feel that it's really conception until 18 years of age because there's a lot of parent education that we can do as well. Mm-hmm. But, yes, there are, I mean, I think Montessori is mostly known for preschool,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, the community environments start at around three months. Mm-hmm. There's a community called the Nido, which is, uh, nest in Italian, so really created really for
0: when both parents needed to work outside of the home, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> very
1: home-like and, and such, and then you have the uh, toddler environment when they're uh, just newly walking and their hands are free to do work and they learn to be toilet independent mm-hmm. and, and learn to prepare food for themselves, and so it's really a work on Uh, independence and and being autonomous, and then and working on language skills and such, and then they go into what we call the CASA, which is what Montessori, I think, is mostly known for, is that three to six environment, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there is uh, elementary program and then what we call the adolescent program for high school.
0: And are the elementary and adolescent programs, are those mixed ages as well? Yes, yes.
1: The uh, elementary, you have lower elementary, so 6 to Mm 9-year-olds, and then 9 to 12. Some schools mix the lower and upper elementary, Mm -hmm. um, you know, depending on the number of families enrolled. And then the um, adolescent program is uh, basically, you know, 12 to 18.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: It is, it is, really. And and the beauty of the mixed age group, too, is just, it's like a family. Yeah. It's your your younger and older siblings. Mm -hmm. And they are so helpful among each other. It's just beautiful to see, you know, how the young child is going to look up to Mm -hmm. that older child and just be inspired that they get to do that work Mm -hmm. when they've mastered the work beforehand, right? Yes. And then the older child gets to repeat a lesson in showing a younger child, for example, and they get to really, you know,
0: embody that they've mastered something because they get to show a younger child how to do something. Absolutely, and leadership and all these other oh, oh, yes. qualities. Oh, no. That's so, yeah. <laughs> so great. Don't, don't get me going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And is it still very much like a... Are there many Montessori schools in the country? Like, I mean, is it is it a growing um, type of it education? Is.
1: It is. It is, and it's growing worldwide. It's, yeah. it's, Montessori schools, you will find them uh, everywhere. There are, for example, many, many in India because she uh, taught in India and then wow. was um, kept in India during when the war broke out um, and such so there's there it's just everywhere mm-hmm. um i feel that there is more and more desire for parents to really have more of an individual education. I think we're realizing that traditional education is kind of failing our children
0: yeah.
1: where we're trying to, you know, fit them in a certain box when when right now we need a generation who are going to think outside the box and who have so many issues to solve and mm-hmm. such. And, you know, it's, I think where we're, we're still in a 19th century model of education and we need to change so there's there's a lot of schools that have kind of taken on the philosophy mm. uh, and then there are you know a lot of Montessori schools but Montessori schools though you I, I do have to say was never copyrighted the, the term Montessori was was never copyrighted as, so there are many schools that call themselves Montessori. I just tell parents to, you know, do their homework, yeah. to to go and observe, and make sure that it is a mixed-age classroom. You yep. know, make sure that they are having uninterrupted work time. Make mm. sure that they are really choosing their work. Things like that mm. that to me are, you know, the the foundation of Montessori. Because um, you know, at, at, at the beginning, you asked me if my children take on to Montessori. Mm-hmm. I had gone and observed a school for my son, and the adults were telling the children what to do. Mm. And I I, I asked, I said, but I thought, um, you know, uh, freedom of choice is important. And the adult told me, oh, well, that doesn't work for me.
0: Interesting. So So there's some modified Montessori... (laughs) Schooling.
1: Exactly. We, in the community, we say there's Montessori schools and
0: then there's Monta-something schools. Yeah. So do <laughs> your <junior> homework. <laughs> yes. Junior and it, homework. it does sound like a really good balance because I find more and more, um, you know, clients of mine or just other parents whom I know are, are pulling their kids out of school and doing more homeschooling because they find that like, it's just such a waste of time. Like there's, you know, from, from 8am to 3pm, I mean, what they're actually doing, no one really knows. And so they find that they're doing homeschooling, which people have, some then have their concerns about if they can do it because of work or they want the socialization. And then there's also like unschooling and doing, um, you know, just kind of letting the child Play to then find like their own interests, and so it sounds like a, it sounds like a really good balance of an individualized uh, education, but but re- supported by an adult and by other children in a mixed... And,
1: and and really supported by by brain development, yeah. which to me is is the fascinating part because you know what she revealed to us you know more than a hundred years ago is now all being proven by brain research mm-hmm. and by brain scans and such. So it really is, you know, has a strong foundation in, in, in research mm-hmm. as well. And the and the sequence of the lessons that you give are just so, um, to me, speak to the, the this higher power that the child has to learn just about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was in a bilingual classroom and, you know, I yeah, I was always blown away by these young children who could speak the language they spoke at home and then speak the two languages we were speaking in the classroom with this great ease. Wow! And so that to me, you know, speaks to this highly, highly intelligent human being that we tend to take for granted, and we do dump things down for our children. So, um, you know, children who leave like that, uh, casa what what you know, we call kind of the three to six classroom, they are uh, reading, writing, uh, doing all of the math operations, division of fractions, they are, you know, composing music, they know geography, I mean, there's just so much, and oftentimes when they go into a traditional school, they're kind of bored, Yeah. We're not keeping up with
0: them (laughs) so much, yeah. And then that leads to probably over diagnosis of attention deficit disorder Uh, and all these other things. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So my other question is, what is the difference? And it's I I feel like this is maybe parallel to what I get asked a lot, or, or maybe, well, is that like people ask me what's the difference between a doula and a midwife, and and or they think they're the same thing. And so what is the difference, though, between a Waldorf school and a Montessori school? Because I feel like they're similar, but I know they are different.
1: They are. They, they have some uh, similarity, mm-hmm. and they both uh, came from a same time period, uh, um if I'm not mistaken, Waldorf is from Austria or Germany, but I'm not, I can't be 100% sure. Yeah. Uh, but it is the environment, so that is a parallel. The environment is very important um, and always you know, natural materials and such. For me, what I've seen as the, the biggest kind of uh, difference is that um, the child. In the Ward, Waldorf environment, is not going to be introduced to any uh, quote unquote academic wor- work until there are seven.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And yeah, and in Montessori, we follow the child. So if a three year old shows interest in the sounds of the letters, hmm. I'm going to give them a lesson on the sounds of the letters. Hmm. I'm not going to wait until. I've decided they're ready. When Mm. they show interest, I go for it. And so, you know, in Montessori, they are actually reading and writing by, you know, the age of five. So that, to me, is one kind of, you know, big uh, difference there. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that is interesting is that... um, In Montessori, we tend to really stick to concrete and realistic information the first six years of life Mm -hmm. because we've discovered that children have a hard time telling the difference between reality and fantasy Mm -hmm. before the age of six. So we are going to really give them concrete information. We're mm-hmm. going to give the real vocabulary of the animals, the vehicles, and such. The books that we choose, uh, you know, we try to be uh, very concrete stories uh, based in reality Waldorf on the other side is very uh fanciful it, mm. it has it has fairies it has gnomes it, it tells a lot of stories through fables through fantasy so Got it. those are kind of the the big you know two big differences i've seen yeah. i've gone to like workshops in you know Waldorf schools and i was just blown away by the beauty of the environment mm. the intricate handwork that they do um all of that, so it's it's beautiful, it's creative and such, I think it's just, you know, for me, again, for families, you know, listening and and wondering, to me, what's really important is to always go and observe, and really take, you know, take stock in what's going on in that environment, how are the adults treating the children, Mm. is it a respectful environment, is it a loving, kind environment, Mm. and and, you know, how you feel is going to make a big difference to for your child you know Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable with leaving your child there and and knowing that you know these people are going to influence your child Mm -hmm. that's what's most important
0: yeah and I'm assuming Montessori schools are private
1: not all not Not all all. there's a lot of there's actually a lot of uh, public Montessori oh great more and more uh, all over the country and all over the world um that are so it, it is you know it is there are some private schools there's uh you know for-profit non-profit yeah and then there's there's public as well amazing and 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 Montessori also does one of her great-granddaughters started a uh, association called educators without borders that mm. does a lot of work um all over the world in some refugee camps and, and things like that so wow. it's it's
0: it's widespread. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Next, the next thing I want to talk about is is positive discipline and and what that means. Um, okay. And I, I feel like it is it have from my little experience of of hearing and reading about different parenting um, you know notions and I've heard about nonviolent parenting and things like that. But it's is it more to do with addressing the emotions and the feelings uh, behind the behavior rather than the behavior itself?
1: Yes, yes. Because behavior is a form of communication. Mm -hmm. So it's really when we understand that and we can get to the root cause, you know, it's really that image of an iceberg, the, the image that we see often of, you know, you see just the, the tip of the iceberg, but mm. what's below is just humongous, right? Mm. Uh, so the behavior is really the, the tip of the iceberg, and when we can understand what's, you know, what's really, uh, you know, making them behave that way, we can, we can help them. Mm-hmm. So positive discipline is something that I discovered, um, you know, here I was a, (laughs) a, you know, older teacher. I had my two children, uh, and I've been, you know, I've been working in corporate. I can close the door to my office and be left alone. And here I am in a classroom with 25 little people and I needed some tools. Mm -hmm. I needed some, some understanding of how to, you know, get this little group of people to, um, you know, to, to self-regulate and to, to, uh, cooperate and such. And so Montessori had given me a lot of information about the lessons and brain development and such, but I didn't really have the tools for quote unquote, the discipline aspect of Mm. it. Um, and uh so i looked into actually i think it was a staff development day somebody came in and talked to us about positive discipline and basically it is based in algerian psychology
0: really
1: yes yes it is uh it's alfred adler and Rudolf Dreikis that have kind of you know it, that's what the, the basis of it is. Now, Positive Discipline is a, a series of books and courses developed by Jane Nelson, mm-hmm. who's, um, who's uh, still here and actually between, I think, San Diego and Utah. She travels a lot. But she, from her, her background... Uh, and so Aldelian psychology is that notion that we all... All of us, you and I, and everybody listening, we all want significance and belonging. Mm-hmm. And that any behavior that the you know "quote unquote" bad behavior or misbehavior as such is really because that's not being met. Mm-hmm. Because the child is feeling that he's not belonging mm-hmm. or that he doesn't have significance. So mm-hmm. when we understand that, and when we can go to the root cause and 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 give him choices or give her you know the the ability to come help us and and feel that they belong and and such then then the the behavior completely dissipates mm. you know it's really it's really really about connecting with the child and mm-hmm. helping the child connect back to their true self mm. as well you know oftentimes the child is 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 having a rough time or a tantrum and such, and what do we do? We tell them to stop.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, no, I'm having a hard time right now. Why should I stop? Mm-hmm. Like, can you can can you give me some space here to feel feel my feelings yes. and and help and help me deal with them as opposed to tell me to stop or go to my room or you know stop crying and or you know stop crying or I'll give you a reason for it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just when you you when you think of it, like the way we speak to them yeah. is. So disrespectful, and so it's really, it's really looking at um, you know what tri- what it triggers in us as well. Mm-hmm. It has oftentimes a real um, kind of it. You know, it opens the window on oh, that's what's going on. You know, mm. uh, when we see what it what it does to us as well. So it's really a beautiful way of understanding. Uh, those emotions, but also just really giving tools to children mm. and and other adults. Because positive discipline, honestly, it's not only for children. I mean, now it's been developed for uh, couples. Mm. It's been developed for the workspace. It's been you know, it's it's just amazing because it's really a nonviolent you know communication yeah. and, and a way to really seek solutions together.
0: Mm and is it ever advised i mean maybe it's more to do with development and if that child is ready for it but to um is it more that you then demonstrate the behavior that lets them feel that they're significant and and wanted or is it that you can actually state that for them of saying like it seems like you you know you're you're not feeling a part of this and or is that is that kind of is that kind of um Not like putting words in their mouth, but is that kind of maybe suggesting something that maybe they're not feeling, or
1: yeah. uh, So, so you're right. I mean, it's going to just depend on you know where they are in their development. Mm -hmm. But for me, what's most important is to model. Yeah. So really, you know, I'm having a hard day. Well, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to go. You know chill in my in my in my little place that I've created to to calm down mm. or if i've made a mistake i'm going to say oh i have made a mistake i I, you know, I don't like when i talk so loud and mm. i'm going to try better so you just you know you're modeling also that mistakes are always opportunities for us to to get better and it's always yeah. opportunities for us to learn from our mistakes mm. so you know for that But it's more, for me, it's more about really uh, connecting with the child first and and really involving them in finding a solution. Yeah. So as opposed to, you know, interpreting what's going on. Got it. Which which to me, when we say, you know, it looks like you're angry because, you know, somebody took your teddy bear, it might not be that at all. Right. It might be that, you know, there's a smell they don't like in the room or something. We don't know. (laughs) So it's more about, you know, I see you're having a hard time. Can I help you? Mm. Or do you need a hug? Mm. Or, you know, really helping them come, come back down. Because that's the thing is when we are out of sorts, we are no longer connected with our reasoning brain. Sure. Right? Yep. So we need to help them calm down first before we even start questioning anything, mm-hmm. or we start asking them for an answer or, or or a solution. Right? They need to just come back down, back to themselves mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. and then and then we can we can you know maybe help them uh, go through it.
0: Amazing. But
1: for 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 one thing, you know, for for those listening that have very young ones, the 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 biggest one is to give children choices. Yeah give them, you know, just two simple, appropriate choices that you're one hundred percent okay with. Mm. So that they develop that that will, right? They're they're in, in they're developing the will. You know, I always hear parents tell me, Oh, I have a strong willed child and I say that that's wonderful. That's yeah. great. You have a child who knows what they want. Yeah. But for that muscle to develop we need to you know, give them uh, choices so
0: that they can make appropriate choices. And that's interesting because I, I feel like my, so I have a seven-month-old daughter, and my husband was okay. was um, n- not talking about choice theory for her, but just, but just talking about he discovered choice theory, and that's exactly kind of what you had just mentioned of mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. two choices that you're comfortable with, but giving them the autonomy to make that. Um, to make that decision for themselves when, exactly, when they're having, yeah, they're strong-willed exactly. or whatever it may be. That's so interesting. And it,
1: and, it, and it even starts, you know, at seven months. I mean, it could be, you know, handing a toy to mm. toys, mm. or you know, of of choosing uh, what they're going to wear, mm-hmm. or you know, things like that. Like it, it starts. It's kind of a just a, a habit that we need to get into yeah. of of not making decisions for them.
0: Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's so it's so simple, yet it's like it, yet it's profound, you know, like to 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 model and to and yet it's like, oh, no wonder, you know, there are certain behaviors or habits that children pick up. And it's like you have to, yeah, look at yourself and 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 just think about. Yeah, supporting the best environment oh, yes. for you. Exactly. I mean, like yep. you said, yep. like finding your place where you can calm down, you know, if you're having a rough day. Like I never even considered that, like having a safe little space mm-hmm. for me if I'm stressed out, you know, and to, mm-hmm. to then model mm-hmm. that they can make a little space for them when they're having a heart. And it's just, it's really fascinating. Yep. Um, and I, I think that kind of, you know, goes into what um, – Like conscious conscious parenting. I mean, it sounds like that's essentially That's
1: exactly what that is. Exactly. I mean to me it just embodies all of that.
0: Yeah.
1: It's really this awareness Of what's going on Mm. and, and, you know, really looking at ourselves as well through this whole process, because honestly, for me, having a child, um, you know, whether you, 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 it's your child, it's your stepchild, it's your adopting Mm -hmm. or caring for other people's children. To me, it's the, it's a, a, our opportunity to be aware of, of so much that's going on, and it's kind of a a reset mm-hmm. also for for ourselves and for for humanity as a whole. So when we are aware of that and conscious of that, and um, you know that that's that's to me what it's all about is just being aware of what we're bringing to the table too,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Um, and and just being very observant, um, and, and to me, it just meshes beautifully with Montessori in the sense of of observation. To me, is a is a big thing that I you know talk to parents about. It's really observing yeah. without any judgment, without any expectations, and mm. just really watching your child do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there you can be aware of what it brings up, of, you know, maybe your doubts or your fears or whatever, mm-hmm. and, 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 and actually work through those, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to blindly kind of do things and, and we end up imposing our fears yeah. and worries on our children. Yeah. So, you know, they come to us with um, a factory setting of pure joy and mm-hmm. happiness. And just wanting to explore, and so we need to kind of get out of the way. Yeah, is where where you know where I come from when I when I talk about conscious parenting.
0: Amazing, and I, I yeah, couldn't agree more. And and <laughs> I, I I feel like you know there are going to be days, of course, where especially if one is a stay-at-home mom and it's full-time, that it's not going to be the most you know the best day to be modeling, you know, if you're exhausted or tired, but it's also then taking opportunity to just say what you said previously of, like, you know, you know, mom is tired or this and that, and, like, just kind of modeling that, like, it's okay to, um, yeah, like, have off days if it all seems, like, overwhelming and that, like. And, yeah, and, Haley, I
1: think it's important there, though, to say to young parents, moms and dads, is that it's okay to ask for help.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: It does not have to be this hard, and parenting was never, ever meant to be done alone. Right. So when you are having those rough days and you're having two, three in a row, like, don't, don't, mm. you know, yeah. don't. Like, call, call that girlfriend, that sister, that mm. whoever, mm-hmm. that, you know, you're saying, I'm having a hard time and I need a break. Like, mm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. Take good care of yourself. Yeah. You know, and that to me is so important. Like that whole self care piece. Yeah. That is like how we learn to self regulate. And mm-hmm. that is modeling to our children that we are important too and yeah. that we love ourselves too to step away and take good care of ourselves.
0: Yeah. So sorry, I had to put that one in. No, that's it's huge. <laughs> so it's so, it's, it's so, so huge. For me. And um, yeah. because yeah, I mean, it's it's a big piece in that first year that, you know, I, I personally can relate to of, of like how to be there 100 percent, but also how to take care of myself as well. And it's it's yes, it's you're yes. holding two different things of wanting to be completely de- devoted, but also needing to not forget yourself and to, so that you can exactly. be more present for your child. So it's exactly a, it is exactly. A, a balance. Um, yeah. So, um, you, so you do in-home, uh, consultant work. So that is, is fascinating to me, especially since you do pre-birth, um, in-home mm-hmm. consulting. So mm-hmm. what is, what does that look like before the child arrives? What, what do you observe and what do you talk about? Or at least like, what would that, what would what that, what would that process look like?
1: So, um a a consultation with a family who is expecting would be really talking a lot about preparing themselves mm. first of all. So, you know, I do talk about their well being, their you know, their stress level, their nutrition and stuff and such because we know that the first environment the child is in is that prenatal environment so we want to be very aware and and conscious of what you know what our uh feelings about this whole pregnancy is the acceptance of it uh the environment that we're putting ourselves into and such so Mm -hmm. there's going to be that aspect of it then there's also going to be the questioning of what is your? What are you wanting for your birth? So for me, the birth environment is so so important mm. uh, for everybody involved, right? Especially for the parents and and the child. Mm-hmm. So that to me, you know, I really want to empower, uh, you know, especially women to know that they have choices. Yeah, uh, and that's why I love the, the theme of your podcast of of you know giving people these choices like you are not ill when you are pregnant you know you are mighty mighty powerful Mm -hmm. so and 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 probably the healthiest you'll ever be you're Mm -hmm. creating another human for heaven's sake right right? uh so so for me that is something that I really kind of talk about a lot because I feel that there's such you know these media of of, you know it has to be hard and painful and it only happens in in the hospital and you take drugs and everything will be fine and Mm. no it doesn't you know you have choices yeah so we talk about that and then also preparing the home preparing that home environment to welcome a new human being so it's going to be really a very uh simplified uh you know, nursery, I don't um, do at all the, the crib, for example. Mm-hmm. I do a bed that is on the floor, that mm-hmm. is low to the ground, so that when the child does move, they have the freedom to move in and out of their bed. Mm. Um, things like that. So we're, we're creating an environment that is specific to the needs of that human being at that age. Right. Mm-hmm. So I actually invite parents to crawl around their home, mm-hmm. like see it, see it from their perspective. You mm-hmm. know, we're in a very adult centric environment. All our artwork is up high so we can enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Like you, you can lower some of those family photos down real low down to the ground so that the baby will see it too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh inspires language and storytelling and, and all sorts of things. So we'll look at kind of the, the bare necessities that you need. I, I tend to be pretty uh, minimalist in how I set up a nursery and everything and wanting to have a good uh, movement area for them and such, and then really explaining how that's going to evolve with the different milestones
0: that the child is going to go through, you know, once they start crawling and then walking and so on. Mm. And for, for, you know, for parents who are afraid of, you know, having their home turn into, uh, you know, some, 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 some place that is so child-centered where it no longer feels like them, like what is your... Response to that, as far as you know, keeping and keeping in line with the Montessori way of 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 you know honoring that child's development, but also not having it look like a classroom all the time. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, um, great, great question because that is completely the opposite of what I I suggest. Really, it's really about welcoming a special guest
0: Mm.
1: that has different needs than yours. Yeah. And so just like you would, uh, you know, set up your home or your guest room for your great aunt that is, has a walker Mm. or or has different needs, you're going to adjust the environment momentarily while she's there, right? So it is the same thing with the child. You are just adjusting your environment to welcome them into your home and their home. Mm. And it's temporary. Mm. It is they're not going to be, you know, like your daughter. She's not gonna be seven months forever. Mm -hmm. This is she's just going through a phase. So we want to create a welcoming environment. Where she can explore freely and safely. Mm. So for me, it's that, you know, that lovely crystal bowl that you have on your coffee table. Well, you might find a place that's a little higher for it Mm. for a few years Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to be vigilant Mm. of what they're going to touch or what they're going to get into. Mm -hmm. So it's not at all about bringing in you know, more stuff or anything. They, they really do not need much at all. Mm. They are exploring their new environment. Mm. It's You know, so it's not about <clears throat> creating a preschool in your living room, not at all. Yeah, It's just about maybe maybe that bottom shelf of, of the bookshelf in the living room. Maybe you can, you know, if there's things that you don't want your child to touch, well, put them up higher and maybe put a basket with a toy in it. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it, right? Yep. So you're still keeping it very minimalist. It's still very aesthetic pleasing because beauty is important for the young child, Mm -hmm. and it has to be beautiful for you too. Mm -hmm. Where you know, and and that's the thing. That's the work that I've done too with families that are have older children. They are just so overwhelmed with all the excuse my language, but all the crap that has come into their home. Sure. <laughs> that we, you know, we have to do a big, big uh, flush out, yep. and it calms everybody down. Including, mm. and especially the young child, who, who is overwhelmed with too much things. So, keep it very, very simple. Um, you know, it's, it's it's basically just making sure that, you know, in the kitchen, there's a bottom drawer or a cupboard that they can open up and everything that's in it is just safe, it's mm-hmm, fine, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you're not going to go, no, 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 don't touch that, right, right. you're wanting, it's, it's for you too, it's for your stress level as well, right. so you want to be creating a place where you can turn your back for five seconds and know that it's fine, yeah. that if she, you know, gets into that basket, because you, you know, you just put your old bracelets that you're not, you don't wear anymore, and that's mm-hmm, fine, right? Mm-hmm. So, so no. It's really about creating an environment that is good for everyone. Mm. It's not. I, I don't. You know. I don't um, want to be creating. You know, creating preschools in people's homes. Right. I want. I want this to work for everybody. Um, so, so yeah,
0: that's and, and
1: and and knowing and knowing that it's temporary, I think, is a big, big thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that yeah. That it that it's going to it's going to. I mean, as again, like my little experience with, with a seven month old, it's like things that she liked, you know, a month ago is so different, you know, and, and, and what she's doing a month ago is so different. And so, um, it is, it is very temporary. So it's, you just sort of have to like, yeah, like the whole, the whole premise is just kind of keep observing and seeing what, and then, okay, that toy is done. And we put that away and, um, and but, you'll be
1: surprised, too. Like, if you bring it out three weeks later, she'll discover it in a whole new way. Right,
0: right. You
1: know, so you don't have to go out and buy new new things. It's just your door letting her, you know, lose interest and, and regain interest again with the same thing. Yes. Or, you know, you might add something to it or or um, it's, it's very... That's why observation is so important. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of feel like that, you know, you were saying like overstimulation and, you know, that kind of happens sometimes is like when there's a bunch of toys that are all out at the same time, it can sometimes just seem like this is just too much, you know, versus versus perhaps letting her focus on one thing and and kind of leaving the space open for her to explore other stuff versus like putting out all the toys at once, or I don't know. I mean, is that, is that something that very
1: much so? No, no, you, you've observed well. I mean, that's, that's great. You're, you're, you're observing uh, your child very well when you see that. Mm-hmm. And and for me, a Montessori space is very, uh, there's very, it's very orderly. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's very, um, you know, very zen in a way, because Mm. it it really talks about the fact that external order brings internal order. Mm. And especially for the young child who is really discovering their environment, discovering the world, they need, they need to be able to classify everything that they're discovering. Yeah. So if we put them in a, in a, you know, chaotic environment, it's just overwhelming. There's too much to make sense of. Yeah. So for me, you know, in in the nursery, it's going to be, uh, 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 very low to the ground Mm -hmm. with maybe three, four baskets with a single toy in it. And Mm -hmm. that is it. Mm -hmm. That is it. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, some beautiful artwork or, or, you know, family photos and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and, and you don't need, you know, a, a beautiful plant. That's it. Yeah. So it's very, it's very pure. Yeah. And, 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 and it gives that very calming sense of order, yeah. which, which we know, you know, calms all of us. So yeah. for me, it's, it's, I do it for you, the parent as well. Yeah. It's not just for the child really. So that, um because I mean I've gone in some homes where where I get overwhelmed sure. and you know I'm 50 plus years old it's just like how can I get overwhelmed you know this, this 8 months old is it must be like so overwhelmed yeah. so we need to be careful
0: of that as well. And that's interesting, especially because, you know, from for my clients who have home births, you know, I sometimes go to, well, I, I do go to their homes for all their prenatal visits and sometimes I'm like, wow, this is a, you know, a chaotic space um, for an adult that they get, they they kind of stress about like, where are we going to put the birth tub and where are we going to do that? Because there's so much stuff kind of out, but that's a, it's almost like there needs to be <laughs> like a, you know, a home consultation for the birth and that like you're, like you said, like welcoming this baby because it it does matter. I mean, that stack of God, papers God. It, that it's yeah. getting to that mom, like it, it does, it does matter um, for how that baby's going to feel and, and, um, and, and growing into that space and also how that, if that's what's being modeled as far as how the home should be kept, et cetera. And, um, but that's so. Do you, do you have you worked with home birth clients or out of hospital, like clients? So,
1: so um, interesting, you asked. I've attended two home births. Oh, wow. As, as a caregiver for the older siblings. Yes. And uh, it was the most miraculous experiences because uh-huh. I actually had two hospital births, and um, looking back on it, I feel that they were somewhat hijacked by, mm. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the hospital. I mean, they were, you know, they were wonderful natural births and, yeah. and such. But looking back, I think like, oh, you know, now that I know better, I would do differently. And these are two uh, dear, dear friends of mine who invited me into their home to, you know, care for their, their older child that was there. Mm. Um, and after that first one, I remember feeling like, why didn't I know about this mm. and this is how birth should be for everyone this, mm. is, this makes so much more sense to mm-hmm. be in your own cocoon of being able to walk around and eat what you want and put on the music you want right. and, and just I don't know it was just so beautiful and so peaceful and you know mom had her baby and just went back to bed and mm-hmm. snuggled with her baby mm. and you know, and so beautiful and beautiful for the child, the older child, to be there and be part of it as well, I thought it was very powerful. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I have done consultations um, actually for many families who have done home births um, and kind of prepared them, but not, you know, I don't prepare the home, the birth environment, sure. of the, the midwives and the doulas, but um, I do, you know, really offer encouragement to make the choices that are going to work for them. and mm-hmm. um, I do remember actually a client uh, wanting a home birth and knowing that her family would be completely opposed. And right. she actually decided not to say anything. Oh yeah. And and just have her home birth the way she wanted it and oh. once the baby was born, she just said, Oh, we've had a baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. <laughs> yes. You know? And it was it saved her that anxiety of, yeah. you know, what is mother gonna think or, or all of that. So yeah. yeah. And do you do you tra- I mean you're based in San Diego, do you do you travel for uh, cons- in home? Consulting? So I do.
1: I do. I have uh, traveled. So I, you know, the family will pay my traveling fees, but I also do a lot online. Yeah. So I do work with families all over the world and do um, video conferencing for that.
0: Interesting. And
1: uh, so sometimes for, I do also a home audit so they can send in some photos ahead of time mm. and then we'll share a screen and I will you know, talk through it and give my suggestions and such. But I do do a lot of um, online work. And then, uh, yes, of course, I'm always available to travel. I love to travel. So Mm. that's always a welcome
0: uh, bonus. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's so inspiring listening to you talk. And it just helps, I think, you know, push a reset of like that. Oh, right. That this is why we have children, you know, to just like really... Um, just get to see and get to support to, to like a a, the, a human being the best version of themselves and like what a gift to be able to do that and be able to witness that and support that development and um, and so to have these extra tools of preparing your home and 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 knowing you know there's ways of of helping them learn in, in a way that's best for them is just so. It's so inspiring, and it's just so lovely to hear you talk because it's clear how passionate you are, and it's oh, it's yeah, it's just wonderful. So, um, your your website, um, what's the, what, is it the Voila Montessori or?
1: So it is Voila Montessori, V O I L A Montessori, montessor dot com, and um, actually, when you're there, I'm actually in the midst of, of kind of restructuring my website, mm-hmm. but uh, there are, there's plenty of resources there, um, some, you know, blogs, or, and there's some downloads as well uh, that you can use even if you're, if you are expecting and about to welcome a new child. There's there's something called the tampancino that's a little security pillow that I mm. highly recommend for newborns and so there's plenty uh, plenty there, and you can contact me through
0: the website. And I will be uploading the nursery checklist to my oh, blog. Okay. Yes. And um, and social media, can people find you on?
1: It's all Fuala Montessori, so the same name. I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel that um, I've shared a lot of. Activities for younger children. Great. And kind of how to work with them, and then also Facebook and Pinterest.
0: So, yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And um, yeah, it's so, so insightful and, and helpful.
1: And, and thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you do and inspiring families to, to birth
0: their way. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time.